Well, this morning, uh, we have been very excited for this morning for a long time and uh, really, really looking forward to like even what's still to come, particularly my message is going to change your life forever. So just, just buckle up. No. Why are you guys laughing so much so quickly? Let me start it with, let me start it here. In 1875, 17 countries sent a representative to sign a treaty in Paris. Anybody know what that was? How many history buffs here? It was the Treaty of the Meter, or the Meter, obviously, thank you, uh, or the Meter Convention. Um, and as the name suggests, they decided to use the metric system as their standard for weights and measurements back in uh, 1875 in Paris. Which, of course, made sense because it was, this was after the Industrial Revolution. This is, um, there, there's increased travel and trade between countries. And so this needed to happen. And so right now, as of today, technically, every country in the world has adopted this system, this metric system, as it's, because it is now, of course, the international standard. And there are, of course, a few countries who, in their day-to-day -day life, don't actually use it, but technically it's their standard. Because in industry and in trade and business, uh, the metric system is the standard. The most, obvious, uh, the most obvious country that does not use this in their day-to-day -day, uh, day -day life is, of course, the US. Because there's 12 inches in a foot and 5,280 feet in a mile. That's nice and easy to divide. There's 16 ounces in a pound, there's 32 ounces in a quart, there's 128 ounces in a gallon, and yeah, I googled all that, and it's cuckoo bananas. I know that if you live there, it doesn't, if you're from the States, I, I know it's not to you, but it really is cuckoo bananas. And of course, though, before we get too judgy here in Canada, us Canadians are actually, as you know, extra special, because we talk about distance in kilometers, but we talk about height in feet and inches, right? Uh, we, uh, we, this is the best one. We advertise our meat by the pound, but we actually sell it by the kilo, right? Like you'll be in a bunker and it'll be like $5 a pound and in there it's like per kilo times 2.2, whatever that, whatever that measurement is. We measure in grams when we cook, but we measure our own weight in pounds. So we're like the kid who wants to obey the rules, but we also want to look cool in front of our older cousin or something, right? Like, so we can't, we don't have a lot to judge in this particular thing. But at any rate, there was a change in the standard of measurement in 1875. And these countries came together and they said, this way that we're doing it all individually doesn't work. We need to be on the same page. It's going to make it so much easier for everyone. And so Thinking about that, and I want you to think back to last week when Pastor Dell took us back to the foundation of the body of Christ, which is, of course, the literal body of Christ, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, broken for us, and then represented in the breaking of the bread, that broken bread at the Lord's Supper. So then this, this is the, the sacred image of Christ, the body of Christ, and it has now become a metaphor for us, the church. So to accomplish his work on earth, Jesus had a body made of flesh and blood. But to accomplish his work today on earth, Jesus has us who make up the members of the body, each member having something to contribute to make up the whole. And so the heart behind the metaphor of us as the body of Christ is this. 
We have our own ways. We have our own preferences. We have our own ideas. But we have to come under the same standard. So what we need is a treaty of the meter. So I want you to listen to this. Let's turn together in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to take two passages of scripture. If you're uh, following along online or even here in the building uh, on the YouVersion app, you can go to more and then events, and you can actually follow along right there. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I really love this passage of scripture. It's very self-explanatory, and, and most of it is very self-explanatory. I love how Paul teaches the church in Corinth about this very idea. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start at verse 12. It says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. I love that. Just, just consider that, okay? And if the ear should say, because I am an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you, in case you didn't catch the metaphor, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And so before you get too far away from the scriptures, I, I mean, that's still, don't you just love how obvious that is? It's like, I don't want to be a hand. Okay, but that doesn't make you less part of the body, right? So there's, I, I love the teaching there. But uh, Paul also teaches something very similar to the church in Rome, uh, but uh, he does it a little more succinctly. So flip with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 3 to 5, Romans 12, 3 to 5 to start with here. It says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Beautiful, right? So here's what it says. God uh, levels the playing field. Really, that's what the, the scripture in Romans says. That God has leveled the playing field by the faith that he gives us. We're all equal because we've all been given faith to believe and we've all been given the faith to walk in this life in Christ. So God levels the playing field between us by the faith he gives us. Because it's true that some people measure success in, in how... Uh, 
financially successful they seem to be, uh, or how their family life looks, or how they can retire early, or their position, or their power. Some measure success by talent or appearance. Some measure success by how much good you can do in the world and how good of a person that you can be. But this says that God measures your life in the faith that you have been given. It's not something you are or have or present. It's something that you have been given. Your life is a gift. Whatever you do can do with your life is a gift. Whatever you already have and will be given in the future is a gift. None of it is from you, and you can't keep it when you leave this world. All of it is a gift. That's the idea. And so the, the, the teaching here, Paul says to the Romans, so think of yourself with sober judgment. Look in the mirror with sober judgment. And you say, that is great. I love it when the pastor just like preaches something and I go, got it, nailed it, ready for the next point. Because you're saying to yourself, this is not a problem for me when I look in the mirror. Because when I look at the mirror, I understand how worthless I am. I understand how unworthy and untalented and unqualified I am in every way. I don't know if there's anybody who feels like that. So what's next? I already have this. I'm already looking in the mirror with sober judgment. I don't think I'm too good. I'm not too big for my britches. And so I would still say to you, look in the mirror with sober judgment. It says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And you're saying, I don't. Trust me, I don't. And I would say to you, yeah, you too. Yeah, you too. Because think about this. Your feelings about yourself, your comparison of yourself to others, your negative self-talk, your self-disqualification, all of it produces the same effect. You are thinking of yourself in your own terms and by your own standards or by some standard that you think somebody else has imposed on you. You're relying on yourself. You're comparing yourself to some external standard. And so, verse 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. How? In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. God has mercifully saved you, and Christ is transforming your life by faith. Yes? That's the standard. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror. Sober judgment means you understand it through that lens and that standard, no matter where you are on that spectrum. In fact, I would suspect that most of us are on the low end of that spectrum. We don't, I don't know a lot of you unless you're secretly doing it in the mirror every morning. Like, I am amazing. Like, I don't know. I don't get that vibe from this church. But I, I suspect that most of us don't feel worthy and don't feel qualified. And we think, oh, that, that's fine that I don't think of myself too highly. But I would say you're, it's, it's not about that. It's not about self-talk. It's about do you understand yourself in view of God's standard, which is just through Christ. Just simply through Christ. That's your standard. And that's the level playing field that we're all brought to in Christ. Every single one of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you came from. That's the playing field we're all brought to in Christ. And so from this place, from that understanding, we can look then at verses 4 and 5 here in Romans 12. And we understand our place in the bigger picture uh, because of that. We can, look, we can look and understand ourselves as part of the body when we can look at ourselves um, through the standard of how God sees us and with sober judgment and not through some other external standard. But without this perspective, without understanding that God's standard is the only standard, 
We will go. <laughs> hey, off campus, listen. I just want you to know, just we're having, we're having a little giggle here because Nate just changed the sign that says Tracy, look here to here. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, off campus. We love you, and we're so glad you're with us this morning. Without that perspective, uh, we, will, we will go on deciding what matters to God. Unless we understand what God's standard is, unless we understand ourselves through Christ, then we will go on deciding whether or not we're good enough, whether or not we measure up. And then for others, who matters to God? We'll be uh, prone to jealousy and envy. We'll think that we're unimportant or we'll assume that ministry is for other people. And basically what we're doing is we are measuring distance in miles instead of kilometers. And we need to change our standard of measurement according to the scriptures here. And when we get the wrong standard of measurement, when we, when we, we don't understand this filter, then what happens is we miss taking care of what's important. Back to that uh, 1 Corinthians 12 passage, which goes into great detail about this, but if we sort of summarize it, we might say it like this. First of all, you, you can't be something that you're not. It, it doesn't work. Like Just plain and simple. You are who you were created to be. And you can't be something else just because you don't like it or you think somebody else is cooler or got a better position or maybe a, a more behind-the-scenes position. <laughs> maybe you'd prefer that than other things. You can't be something you're not. It just doesn't work. And secondly, when we use any other measurement other than God's, we will not be able to do what we're supposed to do, which is to take care of one another. And when we, can't when we don't understand this measurement, when we don't think of ourselves in the proper way through God's standard, we can't do in the body what we are called to do. And the whole body suffers because of it. So let's look again at verses 21 to 25 in 1 Corinthians 12. I just want to read this one more time in light of that idea of changing the standard of measurement. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Exclamation point. Sorry, let me try that again. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I don't know. I don't know, but that's what I mean. The, hand, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for, one, for each other. So because our measurement is different, we're not measuring by how we feel about ourselves or, or other people by the gifts that we think they have, but we are measuring by the gift of faith that each of us is given, that each of us is given, that makes us all equal. Because our measurement is different, Anyone who seems, maybe by the standard of the world or by our own bias, to be lesser in our eyes should be given more respect and honor so that we can, as one body, show our equality. And we should go out of our way, Scripture says, to lift up and honor those that we tend to overlook. And so that's why Romans 12.3 says, we're, like, tells us that we are not to uh, look in the mirror in any other way than with sober judgment. Understand who you truly are, who you truly are in Christ. No more, no less. Kilometers, not miles, God's standard. You're a miracle of the grace and mercy of God. You are a miracle of the grace and mercy of God. And so is he, so is she, so is he. It was perfect that you're just sitting there right, by, right, right in this way. She, all of us, a standard of the grace and mercy of God. So, 
we understand that we're very quick to look at the externals, the things that are easy to see and judge. That's just how we're wired. We're so much slower to notice the quiet, the behind the scenes, the inner workings of the body. And so the call from scripture here is to accept ourselves the way that we've been created. Even if we find, and maybe you would prefer this, but I know some, some wouldn't. Even if we find that what we have to offer the body will be unseen or without praise or without prominence. It doesn't matter whether it's up front or behind the scenes. The body needs it. And you are essential to what Christ wants to do in this world. And the call is not just to understand that for yourself. The call here is to understand it for every single person around you as well. To see others in that same light and through that same lens. And I just, in case you missed it, um, it, was, it, was, it went by really quickly, but uh, the, the, like, like us, the Corinthians and the Romans uh, who were being written to in these passages, they came from a variety of backgrounds, religions, and languages. It, was, it, was, it would have been quite the thing to behold, the early church, uh, considering the standard of the day. They had different skin tones and clothes, and they had different means. Uh, it says that in, in the beginning of the uh, First Corinthians passage, uh, Jew or Gentile, in other words, Jews or anybody else, okay? So that's literally like the, the two groups are the Jews and then literally any other country, nation, anyone else, and also slave or free. So any socioeconomic status, everybody was there together and they needed to understand that they had to look at each other through this new standard of the grace of God and through nothing else that the, the society, the culture was putting on them. They were so much like us. And here we understand in the body of Christ, every label that we put on ourselves, helpful or not, Every label is secondary to the equality of each member in the body. And so the um, unity, so unity has to be the foundation of our great diversity in the body. And we cannot do this if we don't look at ourselves with sober judgment. And so hopefully the question that you're already asking yourself, because I know you're with me, is to say, I love that. How do we do it? Let's go. How do we do it? And so don't worry, I brought a flip chart to help us, because this in our church is our love language. Okay, it's mine. It's mine, but you guys, <laughs> you guys just go with it. That's fantastic. Something really cool happens a little bit earlier in Romans 12. Very famous passage of scripture. If you've been around the church a while, you've probably heard it before. Let's go back to Romans 12. This time I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. I'm going to include that in the passage. And I want you to, we're, then we're going to work through it backwards to help us understand how to live this out says this, Romans 12, 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. A little bit of extra context is going to help us so much here. I want you to see this. So Paul says that, we are, I want you to know that when I do this, um, and yes, I did test my markers. Thank you for caring. 
If you were with us a few months ago, you'll know I had a marker fail. Um, I write really neatly when I do this midweek and I'm practicing it. This is not going to happen for us this morning. We are one body. We've understood that this is the concept, this is the metaphor, this is how we're to understand ourselves. But how do we get to this place? It says, if you, so we're going to take this passage, uh, Romans 12, 1 to 5. We're going to work backwards, upwards, and you'll see what I'm, we'll see what we're doing. So in order to become one body, we need to understand one another soberly, right? Through the gift of uh, faith we've been given. We, I need to change our standard of measurement. We need to have a treaty of the meter. We need to understand ourselves differently so that we can relate to one another as one body under Christ, right? Okay, so that's what it says. But then it says as we, as we come up into verse 2, how on earth are we going to learn to look at ourselves soberly? How do we understand ourselves in the mirror? How do, we, how do we really see ourselves through a new standard when everything in the culture, everything in my family of origin, everything about, I think about myself is nothing to do with that. Either I think too highly of myself or I think too lowly of myself and I need to change it. How do we do it? We need to be transformed. So you just, you know, just a simple thing. You literally have to be changed from the inside out to have a different perspective. You have to be changed uh, to be in, order to, in order to really see yourself in light of the body so that we can function together the way we want to. And how do we become transformed? It says we need to do that by having renewed minds. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. In other words, the things that the culture says, the things that the world says, we set those aside for the truth of the word. So we learn the word. We get into the word. We let the truth of the word wash over us day after day after day. We, we, we let our minds be changed and renewed every day so that we can be transformed so that we can see ourselves and one another soberly in light of the gift of faith so that we can be one body. And how is it that we can have a renewed mind? How do you get to the place where you're like, yes, I'm ready to set aside the lies and, and what the enemy would say and what the world would say, and I want the truth of the word. We do this. Have you, you back it up a little bit? Can you see it? We do this by becoming living sacrifices. This is, this is really what it means to just become a Christian, to say, I what it means to like have faith in Jesus. Say, I, I lay down my life. I want to follow Jesus. I'm going to set aside at, at my own wants, and, my, and I'm going to submit and surrender to the lordship of Christ. I mean, we use that word lordship kind of mostly only in this context, but he's the boss. He's the true king, and I want to follow him with my whole life. You're a living sacrifice. Every day saying, I, I'm going to sacrifice my own life, my own wants for what Jesus has because it's far better. It's far better than what I could do for myself. And how do you become a living sacrifice? You understand all of this. Christ coming for us, the transformed life, everything we have in Christ starts because of God's great mercy for us. And when you get a, a picture of God's mercy, when you see Jesus on the cross, you see what all of this means, you realize that you can, you can so, so fully and freely give your life as a living sacrifice. And in that process, you start to allow that truth of the word to renew your mind. It transforms you from the inside out so that when you look in the mirror, you do see yourself in kilometers and not meters. You're able to understand your life in a completely different way and you can understand where you fit in the bigger context in the body of Christ. And be able to do, like our vision here is to 
is to be able to connect together and train together in the word so that we would have an impact for Christ, so that other people could understand this great, great life that we have in Christ and not, not let it be just something for us, a little transformational self-help program for us by no stretch of the imagination. And this is what the body does together. We help one another, we encourage one another, we strengthen one another. And we do it really because we've started by understanding the great, great mercy of God, sending Jesus for us, giving us the opportunity to be in relationship with him. We need each other, we are different from each other, and we're supposed to care for each other. And so we do this by responding to God's mercy, by submitting to him, and then by submitting to one another as an extension of that. So this is our new standard. Uh, this is our new standard when we come to faith in Christ. This is maybe an old standard for you if you've been in the body for a long time, but it's a great refresher and reminder that this is the standard by which we measure things, not by how we see it, but by God's gift of faith in each one of our lives. And I got to tell you that this is a giant relief for me. I don't know if this feels like, like bondage to you, to be able to submit and surrender, to be able to come under a new standard of measurement. I don't know if that sounds like bondage to you, but I'll tell you it doesn't to me. Because the culture around me tells me to live for, for myself and to do what makes sense to me and to, and to uh, make sure that I'm taken care of first and, and all, of, all of the things that you know. But I'll tell you, when you work hard to do that, it's exhausting. And it's riddled with so much anxiety and discontent. It's riddled with so much worry when you try to do it your own way and try to make sure that that's taken care of first. But when you find your place that you were created for in the body of Christ, it is incredibly freeing and life-giving. You don't have to be all things to all people. You don't have to, to be somebody that you're not. You can just in faith uh, step out into the things that God has called you to do gifted you to do, is empowering and anointing you to do as part of the body. So I want to do an exercise together as we, as we close this section of our service, uh, just to put some to flesh and bone around this metaphor, if we could. If you, if you're not, if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, I hope this is a, a bit of a helpful understanding of how it works inside of the church and inside of what we would say the body of Christ is here, us representing Jesus on the earth. Hope that's helpful to you, and please let me know if you ever have any questions or want to take an, another step in your faith journey. By all means, reach out at any time. But if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you're, you're, you're tracking with me this morning. If you consider your life a living sacrifice to God as a response to his mercy, as it would say in Romans 12, and you are engaged in, in, in yeah, you're like, yes, I'm, I'm ready to have, I'm, I'm having my mind renewed. I'm in this transformational process of being in the word and, and, and replacing lies with truth and, and all of those things. If that's where you're at, then, then do this exercise with me this morning. First, I want you to consider yourself. Consider yourself. Think about, I talked about this a lot, probably, so you've already done this uh, in some way, shape, or form already, probably. But think about yourself. Do you think you're God's gift to the church? <laughs> I can't even think of one of you who would feel that way, but I, they exist, I guess. I am so gifted. This church is so lucky to have me. Like Maybe that's where you are. That's, that's Just be honest about it. 
But, but my, my guess is that probably most of us think, I don't have much to offer. I, I don't, I, I can't, I, I don't like play the piano or can't like speak in front of people without wanting to throw up. Like I don't have much to offer. We just sort of have this idea of what's important and what's not. That's the opposite of what 1 Corinthians 12 says, by the way. But how, consider yourself. How do you feel about yourself? How do you judge yourself in the mirror? Where do you see uh, your, your, your standard of measurement? And that's the second thing. Assess your measurement. What is it that you measure yourself by when you consider your life? When you're brushing your teeth in the morning and you're looking in the mirror and you're thinking about your day, how is it that you're assessing your life and, and your place in the, the world around you? What's the standard that you measure that success? Was today a success or was it a failure? Is what I'm doing today going to matter or not matter? Like how is it that you, what do you use as a measurement? Really think about that for a moment. Now ask yourself, what are you gifted at? This is not going to be a whole lesson in spiritual gifts. We're going to get into that a little bit more next week, but not fully, because it's a, it's a whole big teaching on its own. Uh, but what are you gifted at? What comes naturally to you? What do you love? How do you show love? These all might be clues as to where you fit in the body that you may have not thought about before. We joke a lot. When we do spiritual gifts teachings, we, I like to joke about the fact that when I, I do one, I score like the lowest possible score on the gift of mercy. <laughs> and some of you are like, I just, how could you not just sit with someone and cry with them? Like, are you a monster? Like, you know? So if you promise not to call me a monster, I won't call you a sap. And we'll understand we all have gifts. We all have gifts we're bringing to the body. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the thing that comes naturally to you is probably something that we need and you may not realize this not come naturally to somebody else because we've all been gifted by the same spirit, but in different ways. So what, what do you love? How do you show love? How, how, how do you fit? And, and think about, if you can, just for fun, this might not work, but uh, where you would fit in, like what kind of, like what body part you would fit. Maybe you're a, like a hand or you're an eye or you're an ear or something like that. Maybe you're a spleen. Maybe you like to, I don't know, like you're, like you're a liver and you just like to take the toxicity out of a situation or something. Like, I don't know. Think about how you can, how you can think of yourself. You may not be able to create a correlation. That's okay. That's, that, it won't hurt you. But understand that, that, that those giftings are something very unique to you how God has uniquely gifted you. And now, maybe metaphorically, maybe in your, in your imagination, not metaphorically, maybe in your imagination, don't do this for real because we might get a lot of people weirded out, but look around in your mind, okay? <laughs> don't stare at anybody. If you're at the back of the room, you've got a good view, so you can look up. Uh, who, else, who else is in the body? You've thought about yourself, but who else is in the body? What gift of grace do they bring? Could you think of somebody in the room off campus? Can you see somebody who's making a comment? Um, and you're think, just think about who is, who is with you in the space that you're in right now. And think, how, how do they fit into the body? Now think about somebody else and somebody else. See, can we, when we can consider ourselves in light of the grace and mercy of God, we can do it for others. And we start to feel a lot differently about each other and our differences. And so my challenge to you in this is that um, if, 
if you would like to take up this challenge, I'm, I'm going to do this as well, either in a, a text, an email, or a face-to-face -face in the parking lot or wherever you can manage it. I want you to think of three other people that are in, in the church family somehow, connected to it off campus. Same with you. I want you to think about three people and maybe just encourage them by saying, I was thinking about you and I see this gift in your life. I see your place in the body. You don't have to be weird about it. Like, uh, you can be weird about it. If, you're, if you have the gift of mercy and you're sappy, then please go all in on that. People will really appreciate that because that, that's genuine from you. You don't want that from me. It gets, I, I only know how to ugly cry and nobody wants to see that. Um, that's true. But when I, when I look, uh, when, I want you to think about three people. And I want you to challenge yourself to encourage three people by what you see with this new standard of measurement. Really put that lens on the grace and mercy of God. Last week we talked about the foundation, Christ's broken body for us. This week, of course, we're talking about the form that the body of Christ takes, which is like a, the body, that metaphor of the body that the church is made up of members of the body connected to each other um, and needing one another to function under the leadership of Jesus. Um, and we're going we're gonna to talk next week about the function of the body and how this works a little more practically together. But for now, we're just going to measure in kilometers and not miles, church. Ourselves and one another. Because that's the standard that we've been given, the grace and faith in Christ.